Hello everyone out there in podcast land. This is Severin Henderson back again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Today I have the pleasure of speaking to another one of my friends. That's who I keep getting on my podcast is all my friends and all my buddies. So what good is having a show without having your friends come join you with it? So today I'm going to be talking to Antoine Cruz. Me and Cruz met at when I was at one of my part-time departments in Woodmere. He was part of a cadet type of program. And now he's gone on to do great, big, and better things. He is part of the Vanguards, which is the part of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters in Cleveland. Again, that's where I'm from, Cleveland originally, so that's where I get to meet a lot of the people that I do know. And he's currently working, we were employed together in the city of East Cleveland, and we got a few stories about that, going to a lot of fires, having fun. And I moved here to Chicago. Cruz moved on to the city of Cleveland, not just um, the Department of Beast Cleveland, and that's where he's at now. So, without further ado, Antoine Cruz, can you please give a extra introduction of yourself to the listeners, please? Okay. Um, my name is Antoine Cruz. Currently, I am the president of the Vanguard um, City of Cleveland. Uh, I've been with the City of Cleveland for about three years. I started my career at the City of East Cleveland. Um, I was there for nine years before I transitioned over to the City of Cleveland. Um, during the time that I got to Cleveland, I got an opportunity to become an uh, instructor. And I started a program at Warrenfield that was called FireTech. Um, this was for 11 to 12 graders that was looking to do an apprenticeship to get onto the fire department and to get the license to um, actually be certified as a firefighter with a 240 and as an EMT basic through Star C. Um, my passion for this started at a very young age. I was in 11th grade and I was introduced to Vanguard. And they came in and they asked me how you feel about being a firefighter. And that was a thought that never even crossed my mind. Um, I was looking forward to going to college, getting an education degree, and actually going on to be a teacher. Um, when they brought this idea, I was actually able to leave high school my junior year. And I started off in the academy at Tri-C with adults. I finished um, number one in my class and went on to become a firefighter. And that's how I led, led where I'm at now. Okay, so you were in like an apprenticeship type of program where you just kind of went and learned. And like I said, that's where I met you from originally. We just went to different fire stations and you guys hung out, learned how we do things, all that other fun stuff. Tell me, they came to you and they sought you out. They sought a lot of your classmates out for the position. Tell me, before you had any inkling of what you wanted to do as being a firefighter, did you? What What was your other career aspirations? Um, my first thought is I wanted to be a, a English teacher. Um, I write very well. Um, I thought I can go on and be an English teacher. And um, they asked when they when they brought the idea of becoming a firefighter. They said you're going to accrue a lot of debt. You're going to um, you're going to go in debt from college loans. And this is a career where you can make more than being a teacher and actually work less than being a teacher. So that's pretty much what sold me. Okay. So from being an English teacher to being a firefighter, how 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 do you think that is going? Do you are you happy with the decision so far? What are you feeling right now? Oh, I love it. I love it. Um the another thing that I didn't mention is you can retire in twenty five years. I think and I may not I may not be correct, but I think it's thirty years that you have to put in to become I mean as a teacher to retire. So yeah, I'm loving it. Okay. I got about thirteen years left and I think I'm gonna walk away. 
then you can walk away. Okay, so you're already looking for the exit strategy, huh? Well, it's time to go to Cali. It's time to go to Cali. I know. You see, you spend a lot of time in Cali. So, hey, got to beat that snow, right? Yeah, got to beat that snow. Got to beat that snow we got in Cleveland. So, overall, you said you were in East Cleveland for nine years, and you've been in Cleveland for thir- three years. So, you got 12 years of experience with full-time departments, right? No, this is my fifth. This actually is my fifth year. Oh, fifth year. I'm sorry. You said three of the um, Vanguard. I'm, my apologies. So, let me redo my math. Nine plus five, 14 years. 14 years. 14 yep. years. So give me some experience and some of that sage advice that you got from those 14 years of experience. Tell me what you give, some of the influences and experiences you give to some of the students in the programs. Um, what I tell them early, I tell them you want to get into the career, you want to start putting away into, um, into comp, uh, I mean deferred comp. You want to start getting as educated as possible. That's the way that you can get the most out of your career. To start taking classes and getting educated as possible. That's that's the main thing that I want them to focus on. Okay, so what does that program include? Like I heard you say, they go through EMT and they get their two forty. Um, a lot of people know what EMT is, but not everyone outside of the state of Ohio knows what two forty is. So can you explain that to me, please? So the more the hours that you are required to obtain uh, firefighter one and two license. Um, those hours will complete that firefighter one and two license. So um, that's what the two forty stands for. Okay, that's yeah, that's that's what it is. I remember we had to I had to get my two forty, and I went get through the basic class, and then and in fact, when I went, it was A, B, and C, and that's what equaled up to two forty. Now it's just a one and two. So little little old people talk, but older people will know what I'm <laughs> from Ohio will know what I'm talking about in EMT. So when they complete this program, what, what grade do they start in? So they start off in 11th grade. Um, the first year is 11th grade, they get awareness. Um, they ended up, they do all of their NIMS and they do basic practicals. Um, when they get off to their senior year, they allow to do more, um, more hands-on activities. And that's when they get their clinical hours in and actually able to finish off that year to certify this work for year. Okay, so in junior year, they start with all the FEMA programs, NIMS information, and then in 12th grade, when they seniors, they start doing ride time and a little bit more fire stuff? Right, they get their ride time, they get their clinical time, and um, that's when they start working towards the graduation. Okay. Now, how does that go and translate with their regular school program? Like, they still have to do regular junior and senior classes, right? Right. So the way it worked out, Ohio adopted the program. I think it was adopted in 2004, where they put it into the curriculum that counted as an elective. So any kid that's interested in getting fired, they will hold off their elective until their junior year. The fire and EMT count for each elective that they need to handle. And, um, including health, and, and that's what allows them to finish and stay into the program while doing the rest of their curriculum. Okay. Now, with that program going on, how many students have we graduated from that program, or have you graduated from that program? Um, I've been here since 2016. I am on my uh, 26 students that we graduated. 26? I had 26. Okay. Since so we graduated, I have seven now currently working in the service. Oh, that's great. Okay. What about the other students? Um, have they gone any other direction? Well, you most of the students that I and I've been realizing this that I get in fire tech is athletes. So um after they graduate they went on and they played basketball or went on to college to play football. So um that's where most of them went. I had one that went on to um 
to be a part of the band at Alabama A&M. Okay. Correct. And that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. Um, I know somebody that goes there as well. I had to ask them about that, going to Alabama A&M. So that's, that's awesome that you had those 26 students and then the seven got to move on to the service and then we're producing a lot of athletes. That sounds um, very similar to a program that we have here in Chicago. That's actually where I just left from, um, the Black Fire Brigade. We kind of do the same thing with EMT students and trying to help push them out and get them a career in the service, just a starting point. Because even if you go, you can work in a hospital, you can work in a, um, as an ER tech, you can work on a private ambulance. It just opens so many doors for you and it gives you a skill set that you can do something with, even if you decide to go to college on top of that. Okay. Now those, are those high school students or adults? Um, well, we have... So there's two different programs I'm involved in, and those are adults, but they can be high school students as well. They would just have to do it on their own time as high school students. But there's another program we have in the city called the um, CFPTA, CPFTA. I always get it wrong, so forgive me, please, because <laughs> I, I, I get the letters mixed up. Anyway, we have those students come, and they do it during their junior and their senior year. And now with COVID and everything, we have to do a lot of virtual teaching, a lot of virtual learning, but they still get the same education. So we meet on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and we... Talk, we talked to them about the different services. But with us, it's not just fire. It's police and fire at the same time. So so they, they get that education from both sides. So it, it helps out a whole lot. We, we like that program. And now in the city of Chicago, if you complete and go through that program, you get the opportunity to have points added to your test for the city of Chicago. So I know in... Cleveland, you were part of that program, the MLK program, and they had the same thing, right? Right, correct, correct. So you got extra points for um, for being part of the program. You got extra points because back, I don't all the way remember, but back in the day, you used to get points for residency, points for military, things like that, and you guys got extra points for being a part of that program. Right. For the MLK program, it was, they, they added five points your overall total for the entry level test. Um, when I went and I took the test, I was originally 137. Uh, once they added my MLK points, it shot me straight up to number 15 on the list. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a big difference, five points. Okay, so yeah, that, that does make a whole lot of difference in there. And so I was going to ask you, did you think being part of that program contributed to you being a part of the service? But that kind of goes without saying. That seems like it was just a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I think that program is it's for young adults who's getting into the career. They need that maturity. They need that. They need that extra kick. And I think that that little help helped me because um, just getting straight into the service at the age of eighteen, going in without having any prior knowledge for a youngster is hard. I believe that's hard. I believe it's hard to get dedicated in just that amount of time. So yeah, I believe it. I believe it helps. Okay. Well, that's what my book kind of speaks to. That's what the Hey New Guy books tries to help people out with that adjustment. Because even in there, I write that you go from being 18 and go just get a job with other 18-year-olds to when you're working with people just may be the same age as your father or your dad or your uncle. So I feel like that having these opportunities to work with and have some guidance from people that have been there 
it it helps with that transition a little bit. Would you agree? I agree. I mean, just hearing their life stories about where they messed up at. I mean, they try to yield you and stop you from making the same mistakes that they made. Um, I give you um, Strong as an example. When I was first getting in, he said, youngster, slow down. That was one thing that he always told me. Um, I didn't. I didn't. And I got myself into so much trouble. If it wasn't for them guys there helping me, I would have been off the service. But going in and having those senior man there and having that time to develop, you need it. You need it. Yeah, you definitely need that time. It's it's like going off to college, any other type of career that you get into. You know, you're young, you think you know everything, you try and do everything, you think you're super people. And at the end of the day, we find out sometimes the hard way that we're not. And we had to, we got to get, got to check ourselves. So that's true. But I mean, I, and I, I believe this. The big difference in that and going to college is you make one mistake in the fire service or you make one mistake on the MS call, this could cost somebody their life. It can cost you your life. So, yeah, you need that. You need that, that grounding. There you go. That's what uh, I love to hear that. You're right. You, you have to be cognizant of what you do. You can't just be out here making mistakes willy-nilly. So, like you said, it's, it's a little bit different than college. Some of the mistakes, mistakes that we can make can cost either us or cost, cost a patient. That's not what we want at all. So let's let's talk a little bit about our East Cleveland days. So you got hired a little bit after me. Um, I was there. When did I start? I started there when I was 22 or 23 years old. You came a little bit after me, and we had the opportunity to work together. For the people who don't know, East Cleveland is a well, – well, I describe East Cleveland a lot, but let me get a description from someone else. What would you describe East Cleveland as? As a 2.5 mile big city. Um, <laughs> okay, a 2.5 yeah. mile big city. What else? Um, I mean it's it's a terror zone. You're gonna, I mean, you see a little bit of everything you would never expect to see in the city of East Cleveland in that small area. It's, it's, it used to be, I don't know about now, but it was a very densely populated area. I remember for those 2.5 miles, they had like upward of 20,000 residents at a time. And it was like people just lived on top of each other in this small little city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we, and, and then like, it was a lot of fires, a lot of gunshots, a lot of everything. It, and it, that's what, a lot of people don't get that from out of, from other areas. Like, if you're from the Cleveland area, you know East Cleveland. Like, oh, yeah, that's, like, real deal, real place to be. But outside of the local area, I don't think that it's a really known nationally type of department. What do you think about that? No, nah, East Cleveland, I wouldn't say it's known because anything, any, anything outside of Ohio, you're going to think Cleveland every time you say East Cleveland. But they are two totally separate cities. Um, for me, when I was growing up, East Cleveland was like a place where um, where it was a little different from, from Cleveland because we didn't have those gangs that East Cleveland had. Like, that was a heavily gang. I mean, that was, it was big on gangs. Um, I never seen red versus blue until I crossed that line and went to East Cleveland. So yep. it was different. Yeah. Right. So in Cleveland, it was more blocks because, you know, the blocks were big. I mean, we still had, like, gang activity, but nothing like East Cleveland. When you went over there, it was, like I said, it's like a totally different, it's like somebody flips a switch when you're going, like, through the neighborhoods, right? Mm-hmm. Like the dark side. Um, I'll give you a story. I'll give you a quick story, and this is before I even became a firefighter. Um, we, we used to have to catch the 41 to go up to um, Southgate to go play, uh, I mean, to go 
bowling. Mm-hmm. And I had to go up to East Cleveland and wait for the bus. And the Jays just came out, man. And I had my red two strings. And true enough, somebody came out and they said, man, what, what are you doing with some two strings? And I, you know, I'm from Cleveland. So if you, you ain't on somebody's block. It, it totally changed from just that little walk. And he made me take my shoe strings out. I think that was the last time I caught the bus in East Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> you had broke up a little bit in between there, but just to kind of recap, you said you had red shoestrings. They came up to you and said, what you doing with them red shoestrings? And you had to take them out right then and there. I think that was the last time I caught the bus in East Cleveland. I ain't, I ain't know nothing. About, I thought I was safe. Yeah, I, that would be the last. Now, speaking of that, you was catching the bus. Were you at the Windermere station? No, I wasn't at the Windermere. I was on, um, I think I was on Noble, right there on Noble and Euclid. Okay, Noble and Euclid. So the reason I was asking you about the Windermere Station, that's where one of our mutual stories happened at the Windermere Station. So you want you want me to tell it or do you want to tell it? Yeah, I can start it off if you want to finish it. Um, yeah, I started off. Started off. So uh, we get a, we at the station, we get the call for shortness of breath over at the Ratchet Station. Um, we pull up and it's a it's a female, I think she's close to her forties, maybe thirty eight, close to her forties, but she was there with her boyfriend. And she was she was complaining shortness of breath. She was having chest pain. So part of our protocol for chest pain, we get her on the back and we ask him to sit up front. They sit up front. We're going to do a couple things. We're going to check her out. So in the midst of checking her out, he keep looking back. And, you know, we wonder what's going on. But we let him know, hey, ma'am, is it okay? We exposed her a little bit. We got to put some leaves on your chest. So he looked back. He said, hey, man, what are y'all doing? We try to tell him again, you know, just be, be calm. We're going to check her out. We're going to get her to the hospital real soon. So we proceed on, we go ahead and we put the leads on. By this time, he works his way through the middle of the squad and he's in the back and he's sitting next to, um, he sits, I think he's sitting next to you, right? Yeah, he's he was sitting next to, you, right? next to me, yeah. Right across, I'm right across from them, but Seb is working, I'm kind of watching him. And he you know, he's like, man, what are you doing? You can tell right now he's getting a little anxious, he's getting mad because we are working on his female. He's a little bit overprotective. So after a couple of minutes, you know, he get a little bit closer, get a little bit closer, and then we see something come out of his jacket. Yeah. So if you want to... Yeah, so he had a knife, but I don't remember what kind of knife. It, it wasn't like a real, like, scary knife. Wasn't it like a steak knife or something? Steak knife, like something you would have never seen coming out of his pocket. Yeah, like, like, who carries around a steak knife? But this is what this guy has. So he just pulls out this steak knife, and... Uh, like, like I was the medic and you was the EMT because we was working one and one back then, and I was yep. doing my thing and and I was kind of letting you do your thing because you was getting ready to. In fact, you were in medic school, so it was kind of like guiding you and letting you see what was happening and see how to do run calls. And like you said, this dude pulls out this steak knife, so it's just like it, and she started crying, and he started yelling, and it was just all over the place. So. Next thing, we have that side door on the ambulance. So you pick this dude up. I open the door for you to pick him up. And <laughs> we throw him off, throw him off of the ambulance. They say, don't you ever come on here again with a steak knife trying to do anything, say anything to us. We close the door. We pull up a little bit, pull around. He's outside of the ambulance yelling, hey, 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 let me in. And like I said, his um, girlfriend, she's crying, oh, why y'all do that? He say, do you want help or not? <laughs> she was like, yes, I do So after that, we take her to the hospital We do everything we're supposed to do We do a 12 lead on her at the time We give her all the medications we're supposed to do we start our IVs, everything And we get her to the hospital So Okay, the super PG version So I'm gonna give Yeah, I am telling the PG version So give us give us the, the harder rated version <laughs> Yep, I'm gonna 
to give you the yeah, the little harder rated version. So he's in the back. Mind you, we had to warn this guy four or five times, do not come back here. We are working. Yeah. Do not come back. Yeah. Time he getting that we already, you know, we we watching him. Like we aware that he ain't got them all. He's complaining <laughs> like baby, just let him work. Now he's telling us to you know, just do your job. He's always like this. He always like this. So anyway, he's still getting closer. And they'll continue to work. We're doing our job. We have to check this lady out. And he's not happy with it. So here we go. Now he's like, hey, I said, get off my woman. Who the <laughs> night? And I'm like, Sam, you got a knife. Now it wasn't easy getting him out of that side door. We had to do a little bit of work to get him out that side door. Which you know, some you know, you may get hurt when you're trying to get somebody out the side door. So we got him out of there. It was rough. We had to do a little bit of work. We got him out. We finished working her. We got her to the hospital. We checked her out. Got her in there real safe. Now we en route back to the station. Right before you get to that bridge, we usually call in service. One four one in service. Let so you know we was in service. He's cleaning on one four one. What do you got? You got a call for assault. At the, the Winterbeer Rapid Station. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, man, what is what is going on? So we go to the Rapid Station, and the police are there. The police are the ones that call for us. We pull up. We see the guy say, those are the ones that assaulted me. That's who <laughs> and that was that was the best part of the whole thing, because he was like, those are the guys who got me. He was like, well, we ain't get you. We was telling you to chill out. We was trying to help your girlfriend out. He wasn't feeling that at all. So... Needless to say, we didn't have to take him back to the hospital. We got the um, the police dealt with him from that point. Yeah, that was a fun call. But the thing is, the part about it was was you, because <laughs> like you said, we had to get him off of there, and it was hard getting him off of there. And like I said, I opened the door. You had already picked him up. Then we like got him side by side, just kind of gave him the the heave ho. It, you know what it looked like if people watched the Fresh Prince when they used to throw jazz out all the time. That's what I'm sure it looked like. You're like, ah! <laughs> he just hit the ground and rolled. And like I said, we closed the door, pulled up a little bit, did what we had to do. Because we didn't, we couldn't pull off because we wasn't done working yet. And so we just locked the doors and he was out there being mad. Yeah, he was out there mad. She told, and, and the saddest part, she's like, pull off on him. Just leave him. <laughs> just leave him. He do this all the time. Exactly. So... I, I, I we had to, I had to tell the story with that because that was one of our that was one of our funnest times. I mean, at the time it wasn't fun. We was like, oh man, what's gonna happen with this? But now that we look back on it, it was all all good. Worked out for us. Definitely fun. And plus, the statute of limitations is gone now. So like, we I don't even nobody no one knows what happened. I don't even know if they had that written down anymore. I mean, we got the right to protect ourselves. We was definitely in danger. We had a night. We was definitely in danger. There you go. So, all right. So let me um get back a little bit about your career going forward from East Cleveland. So, like you said, you transitioned from the city of East Cleveland to um, regular Cleveland. How was that transition for you going from a... East Cleveland is a smaller department. We had about 50-something members. We had two stations. Even though we were small, we were busy. How was it going from the city of East Cleveland to the city of Cleveland? Oh, it was a big transition. Um, in the academy, I started to realize one thing, that um, in East Cleveland, you didn't have a specific job. I mean, you did whatever it took to put that fire out. Um, when we got to East, I mean, when I got to Cleveland, I was assigned to an engine company. And, I mean, that was the only thing I did was engine work. 
And each time a guy come in, I will always try to do everything I could. They have to let me know, hey, Cruz, you're not in East Cleveland no more. You know, you guys are, you assigned to an engine company. All you do is engine work. And mm-hmm. I had, it was one, it was yeah, that's I had the same issue when I got here. I went to a truck company when I first got here, and it was like, yeah, don't don't mess with that hose. Don't don't look over there at all. They do their job, you do your job. Everybody has their specific job to do. Whereas coming from East Cleveland, like you said, we did everything. We pretty much just got the rigs there, and then once we got them there, we just went to work. And to me, that East Cleveland is one of the greatest small departments I've ever been a part of or had the pleasure of working with. Like, every person that worked there was a dedicated, hard worker. I still, to this day, will put those firefighters there up against probably any. If we had firefighter competition, I will put them up, up against any firefighters in the country, the world, and go to work and watch them do their job effectively. All day. Yeah, another thing that was kind of interesting to me when I left um, was the pre-connect. Now, I don't know how you guys got it in the I mean, um, Chicago still, but in Cleveland, in Cleveland, they don't use pre-connect, and that was something that I mean, that was that was ruthless to get to get used to. I think my third day on the streets, I was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, all the guys, and I was driving, and just to pump and go back there and have to count those lengths that was coming off was different for me. So just that whole transition of leaving out of there and being used to going up and putting out the fire and coming back and then overhauling and doing truck work. I mean, that was something to get used to for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, here we have engineers. They have, like, in East Cleveland, we used to have a rotation of who would drive and who wouldn't. Here, you have a person who drives the engine, and that is their promoted position. So um, that person, they count the count the lengths, put them back on in the right order, everything else. And then speaking of pre-connects, we have them here. We very, very, very rarely use them. I remember in East Cleveland, that was the thing. We had 150 on one side, 200 on the other side. And it's just whoever got there, whoever got to the pipe first, that's who was going, that's who was leading out. And, and then on top of that, we only had three guys on the engine. So... It was the one guy pumping, then you had the guy who was acting as the officer. He's really being a firefighter, and then you had the other guy sitting in the back. So you'd be lucky if you had a rider that day to help you, and you just tell them to hump holes, shag holes, pull here, pull there. It just was a whole different experience. And what did they say? God protects babies and fools. So I don't know if he was babies or fools, but... (laughs) Luckily, we didn't have anything bad happen to us. So, nah. I mean, even even being there, I'm realizing like the volume of fire that we were seeing in East Cleveland. It was almost. I mean, I seen so many fires in that short nine. I mean, the nine years that I was there. Now, being in Cleveland, I'm you know it's a little bit less than what I was seeing in East Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So, that experience to bring it over. Yeah, I remember when I went to police academy. We went. I went up the hill to um, Cleveland Heights, and the city ran their own police academy. So this is a freebie idea for anybody who's listening to it. And I even gave it to the mayor at the time. I, right before I left, like East Cleveland should have its own fire academy because as many fires that happen here, you could teach people a world of knowledge and just a little bit of time of an academy, but it never came to fruition. But like I said, somebody, you can have that one. That's a freebie for the world. Oh, yeah. But now you're doing that in Warrensville pretty well. Now you were a part of that program in Warrensville and helping those kids out. So 
it it the idea is not wasted. Somebody's still using it and you still got a lot of good information, the good tactics that you're using and passing on that knowledge to people in that Northeast Ohio area. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we kind of went through 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 the things I wanted to ask you and talk to you about. Is there any other things, any other topics you want to hit on or talk to me about or tell me, tell us anything, tell my listeners anything? I do. I mean, I mean, right now, and I know this is a this is a touchy topic, but I mean, you get you get almost a touchy answer every time you ask this question. I mean, how do you feel about this coronavirus uh, vaccine? Oh, great question. I love that. So um, that's actually another guest I have coming on. We're going to talk about the same thing. So it is a very touchy subject and people give you a lot of different answers. But what I feel is more times than not, when you speak to someone and they give you information, a lot of times it's misinformation and it it speaks to like anti-vaxxer type of thing. Some people like it's too new, it's too quick. Other people are like, well, science says it's good. Other people say, well, everything science says is good ain't good. Um, then they talk to you about Tuskegee experiments and giving people different diseases just to test it out on them and everything. So right now, I am still undecided. I did sign up to um, get the information because we have a sign-up on our department where you can get the opportunity to take it if you want. I signed up for that to see if I want to go further ahead, and I've been reading a lot of studies, but I have not made up my mind definitively one way or another. How about you? I mean, I, um, I, we, I signed up. I, um, I checked the yes mark in, in the city of Cleveland. If you would have checked the no mark, it said you would have failed the con ed for, for the sign up. But yeah, I checked, the, I checked the yes mark. But this is where I stand on it. Um, right now, the vaccine is out. And I've been trying to follow close to see the reactions of people that's been taking it. Um, I made my mind up that I am going to take it. Um, I want to hold off as long as possible so that I know what I'm getting myself into after um, following the stories of the people that took it. Um, one of my guys, and you might remember him, remember Bernardo that worked at, um, at Huron? Yep, I want to get him too. I want to talk to him. I got, I'm trying to track him down as well. Oh, yeah, I talked to him this morning. So he took it. He took it. Um, he said the last couple of days he's been feeling well. Um, after I mean, he had a little bit of um, pain in his shoulder, but most vaccines you are going to have that pain. Mm-hmm. But they say overall he feels good. He feels good, and he did any study. I mean, he did the research and seen you know as much to make him feel comfortable with it. So I mean, I just I just want to check it out a little bit more, but I'm not I'm not saying no for sure. Right, I'm not saying that's our American Ninja Warrior. Mike Bernardo. So that's why I said I'm going to get him and talk to him about that. So he's like in super shape on top of that. So we even still, but like you said, you want to know what you're getting yourself into. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you talking to me. President of the Vanguards um, used to be part of the Warrensville program, but still promoting them, still pumping them up. And all that's good stuff. I'm really excited. I'm really happy to see you and see where your career has gone because a lot of times you get to see people and see what happens to them and they don't do anything, but you actually took this ball and you running with it and doing great things with it. Real quick before I go, speak to me really quick about um, being president of the Vanguards. What's that entail? What's that involve? And do you have any plans for the future of that position? Um, right now, this is my... I think 18th day as president. Um, lately, I've just been trying to, 
understand a lot of the information that's been passed on to me. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, studying with a lot of the older guys to find out the history of things that I may have missed um, while coming up to the ranks to become president. Uh, one of my biggest plans as president is to make sure that I'm part of the diversifying the city of Cleveland. Right now, we got one female um, during my tenure, and I hope to see that change to upwards 50. Um, another thing that I want to start seeing is more programs for these youngsters. I am, I am big on high schoolers. So um, one thing that I am going to push is bringing back the MLK program. Like I said before, it took me from 137 to number 15. It's proven to be a program that works as long as the people behind them. So um, I want to I want to be that push that make that program work. Another thing that I'm looking forward to is Explorers program. Um, we got youngest in this in, in the city, and I mean it's a lot going on, similar to what's going on in Chicago with these shootings. So I believe that we start grabbing them younger, start exposing them to careers where they don't think that they need to be rappers or drug dealers, where they can be where they can work and be productive. And we want to start catching them early. So that's part of my plan. So um, after the pandemic slowed down, the vanguards is going to be in the schools regularly. I mean, we're going to have our hands on these kids to some sort, and we're going to change some lives. So that's my plan. I like that. Say, we're going to change some lives. That's that's absolutely what we want to hear. And we, that's what we're here for, to change people's lives, to help people out. We're trying to push and motivate. And like you said, I, I really appreciate what you said. We don't want these kids thinking the only thing they can do is play sports to be entertainers. There are jobs for us to do and we can be productive members of society and beyond so i appreciate that Cruz, thank you very 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 much if you need anything reach out to us here at department 3c of course you can reach out to me because we buddies like i said at the beginning and i appreciate you coming on and talking to me thank you sir all right thank you sir all right i'll talk to you later on all right, welcome back for the second part of the episode. Today, I am talking to my recurring guest, BFF, Troy Berry. <laughs> He's making faces even though you can't see it, but we were on a Zoom call looking at each other, and we're going to talk about some different issues that's going on in the world right now. Again, like I said, it's just my recurring buddy that's going to start his own. Well, he has his own podcast. We just keep waiting for the episodes to come out. So in the meantime, we're just going to feature him on here anytime he wants to come on and we get the opportunity to talk to him. So, Troy, tell us how you been so far. How you been since the last time we spoke on the on the show? Um, well, I've been good. Uh, last, I think since the last time when I uh, tore my rotator cuff. But uh, other than that, oh. ain't nothing changed. Just been off of work because I can't work with the torn rotator cuff. Don't go back to work till February. Right. End of February. Okay. Okay. So taking care of yourself until the end of February. That sounds fun. So last time we talked, we 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 talk about a myriad of different subjects. We talk about sports, we talk about politics, you my political science graduate from college and all that other fun stuff. You had a prediction that Donald Trump was gonna lose the election and that. that came to oh, fruition. Yes, you yeah, did. Lose, yeah, lose. That's what I said. You said he was gonna lose. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. That came to fruition. Tell me how you knew that was going to happen and what do you expect going forward in the political landscape in the country right now? Well, I kind of figured he'd lose because, um, mainly because of COVID, because of the way that he, you know, handled COVID. 
and didn't want to take responsibility for it and tried to put the responsibility on the state. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's the, he's the leader of the country. And with, you know, with a pandemic, the, the pandemic that we had, it was so devastating to the country. I thought it would be hard for him to recover from it, you know, because of the way he handled it. And also it was other things. It's just his, you know, his presidency was very turbulent. And he didn't really seem like a leader and he turned a lot of people off. So I just figured everything would switch back to normal because, you know, even though we are a divided nation, we still want good leadership. And you have people that do think he has been a good leader, but obviously the majority of people think that he's been a terrible leader. That's why he got voted out of office. That was by you led me already into my next question because I was going to say some people thought he did a good job. So what about those people who still think that he has done a good job, has did a good job, and he's the best guy for the job? What do you have to say to those people? Well, you know, like people have their own ideas as to what is right and what is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Especially in this day, this day and age. Like, typically, there's just right and wrong. There's not no stipulations on it. There's not any, well, it's right because of this, or, well, it's right because of these alternative facts. No, it's either right or it's wrong. You know, and the other thing that goes on with people is people hate to admit they're all ignorant. Like, you can have a person put a cup in front of you that's a red cup that might have some orange writing on it. You say, look, that cup is mainly black. I mean, mainly red. And they say, well, it got orange on it, but it's a red cup. It just has, you know what I'm saying, orange right. The orange right. It's still a red cup. Okay. But they say, well, it's an orange okay. and red cup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Even if it, the majority of it is red. So, you know, people don't want to admit their own ignorance. People don't want to admit to being wrong. You know, and people had their own ideas as to, like I said in the beginning, what's right and what's wrong instead of, is it right or wrong? You know what I'm saying? So right. That's that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay. Well, I can, I can understand that. I can listen to that. I have a lot of different people that offer a lot of different opinions um, on the presidency. They, they look at uh, stock markets and they look at their... Not paychecks, but the stock market pretty much. In the, in the fire department, in the fire service, we have deferred comp, and a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, yeah, all my stuff is up. Everything going sweet. Right. So a lot of times they don't look at the bigger picture, and they really appreciate the job that he does um, business-wise. So, but everything ain't just business, though. I mean, because look, like you— I, Well, what I, is I, everything? My 401k has been doing good you know, because of the stock market. Uh-huh. But the whole thing about that stock market is, especially right now, that stock market is kind of fake. It's not based on what has been happening with the country. Because back at the beginning of the pandemic, the Fed pumped 3 to $4 trillion into the, into the stock market to keep the stock market afloat. You know what I'm saying? So... Is the stock market doing good because he's doing good, or is the stock market doing good because the Fed said we can't let this guy destroy the stock market? And 
Oh, okay. So that brings up an uh, extra point. You know, that's kind of how I looked at it, and that's kind of how you have to look at it, because you you have to follow what's going on in the country rather than just seeing something and saying, oh, look at that. But you have to, you know, you have to delve into it deeper to really know what's going on, because the stock market had crashed. It went all the way down to like 18,000 points. And the Fed mm-hmm. saw that and said, no, we can't let this happen. So they pumped three to four trillion, not billion, not million, trillion dollars of our own money back into the stock market. So the stock market isn't mm-hmm. doing good because of, you know, especially during before, let's say before the election, it wasn't doing good because of Trump. It was doing good, good because they were trying to save. And they popped it back up. And, you know, during the summer, you know, the, the, the virus that kind of waned a little bit. And <clears throat> so the stocks were able to uh, continue to rise and rise. And even right now, the stock market is also up because of what uh, investors and everything that controls that see what's going to happen under a Biden presidency as opposed to a Trump presidency. And I'm going to say one more thing now that you get your next question. Like, if you go back to when Trump was first elected, the stock market dropped by over 800 points. A lot of people, did, a lot of people didn't pay attention to that. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. when Biden was, you know, that Saturday, it said that he, he was the president-elect. That Monday, the stock market jumped, jumped by 800 points. And you know it's a it's a it's a bit of a myth that the stock market performs better under Republicans. That's not true. If you look, if you you can go back and look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. The numbers are there to be seen. The stock market has always performed better under a Democrat. But you know you can't tell people that they don't want to see the truth. They just want to see what they believe. Okay. Well, I appreciate your answers. They they very articulate. They. Um, I like that answer. I mean, it it went to it spoke to what I was asking. So, in addition to that, you started off and you said COVID is kind of what brought him down. What do you think about what how we're dealing with COVID and the COVID numbers right now? Currently, we're not dealing with it. It's out of control. Okay, well, tell me about it. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> it's, out of, it's out of control because there's been no leadership from the top. You know, and there's not been a good enough a example of how how to contain it. Like, they tell us to wash our hands and, you know, wear masks and social distance. But at the very beginning of this, they didn't harp on it enough, you know. And um, you have all these people who, because the um, president or just listening to their friends, didn't take it serious enough and they don't, even to this, even at this point, they still don't wear masks, they still don't wash their hands, they don't social distance. They have parties, they travel. Like, we got a friend right now that's out of town. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they've been, they've been <laughs> traveling the whole pandemic. You know, people, people yeah. don't listen. And, and because people don't listen, it's why it's out of control. We, we've been averaging over 3,000 deaths a day. I think it dropped down to like 2,800 one day. But for this week, we're averaging at least 3,200 deaths a day. And that's, that's, that's what? That's 21,000 people a week. That's, that's yeah. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it's, and it's all, because, it's all because people don't want to listen. You know, 
and everybody was, I'm an American. I'm, I have my freedoms. I have my rights. Yeah, you do have your rights. You also had a right to not be an idiot. You know, you had a right to do what you were told. Well, a lot, a lot of people still don't believe that it's real. I, I love those memes that say racism and COVID are like cousins because if it's not happening to you, you don't believe it's real. And that's what seems like this going on. We just this week, we lost another member of the Chicago Fire Department to COVID complications. We had a um, paramedic, paramedic pass away, and that's just not good. It's not, I, I can't think of any other word to use, but it's just not what's up. The people are dying and people just don't care. Because to me, in my opinion, even if you think it's fake, that's fine. But wouldn't it, wouldn't it be more beneficial for you to think it's fake and still just go along with it so no other people die just to go along or, or, or to not buck against the system? Because to me, it's more like like you said, I'm an American. I can do what I want. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. That's everything. You know, free country with that. But it's still causing people to die by you not playing by the rules. So what do you think of that? I mean, it's that kind of, I call that a disease of America. You know, Americans don't, people in general, but, you know, particularly here, and you can talk about it because of the pandemic. And like you said, people don't care until it hits them. You know, everything is, something is fake until it affects them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I take, for instance, like the school shootings and stuff. You will always hear it. This ain't supposed to happen around here. But where is so it supposed to happen somewhere else? <laughs> so where is so it supposed to happen? Right. It ain't supposed to happen anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so until somebody is touched by something that's, you know, out of the ordinary or something that they consider fake, you know, they they're not going to take it serious. But and that's that's a that's unfortunate because that's that's what has allowed the virus to spread. You know, then people say, "Well, I can't." Yeah. Then people can say, "Well, I can get it and I'll be all right because I'm young, I'm healthy, I work out, I can beat it." But you're contagious. You might pass it to somebody that can't beat it. You know what I'm saying? That's right. why you got to be careful, not just for yourself, but for everybody else. It's like driving a car. Like one of the first things you're taught when you're when you, when you start driving, don't just drive for you. You got to drive for everybody. You got to drive for everybody here. around you. Yeah, exactly. Because if you driving like an idiot, it's going to affect the people around you. And them idiots that's driving like an idiot behind you, it can affect you. It's the same thing with this pandemic. You know what I'm saying? But people don't think like that. And, you know, that's why we go be over over 400,000 deaths by the time the inauguration day has come. Okay. Well, that's that's too bad. But, you know, all we can do is speak about it and try and speak the right things to the situation because... You just try and educate people from your layman standpoint, at least me, because I'm not a professional right. on pandemic response or anything. But just try and let people know, just try and inform people of what might help, because at the end of the day, that's all we can do is, is try and push towards what might help. Right. So what do you expect from this um, new presidency well, it's new to us, this new presidency coming up with the Biden presidency. Well, let's back up. 
Do you want to talk about vaccines? Yeah, we're going we, we're gonna to talk about, well, in fact, let's get there now. Because before when I talked to you, I asked you which vaccine did you like, which vaccine did you prefer, and who should take it. So, yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about that. You know, it was, it's funny. Like, after we had that conversation, I was doing my news reading. Because I try to read, like, 20 different things a day just to stay up on what's around me. And like when we had uh, spoke earlier, I said, well. Show prep. Show little prep. A little bit. <laughs> um, I had said that, you know, first responders, uh, you know, nurses and doctors and um, grocery store workers to get it. And the other group that I left out, which, which um, I, I can't believe I did, is teachers. You know what I'm saying? Those, oh, yeah. those should be the yeah. first ones to get it. And and I was, like I said, I was going through my, my news reading, and, I, and literally a New York Times article popped up that said the exact same thing that we were talking about, that CDC mm-hmm. recommends that, you know, you guys and other for, uh, uh, first responders, doctors, nurses, uh, grocery store workers, and teachers, get the vaccine. I said, look at that. That's interesting. Yep, just talked about it. And my um first guest that I had on here, he was a he's a first responder also and he said he's made up his mind what he's gonna do and he talked about another friend that we have that is they got the vaccine already and I was telling him how I was undecided. Not because of any vaxxer or any anti-vaxxer things. I just kinda wanna see what happens. Yeah. That's that's all. That makes and sense. so Go ahead. No, I that. So the, during our show prep, when we were talking before, we were talking about who was making the vaccine. You know, Pfizer is making the vaccine, Moderna is making the vaccine, and I asked you which one you would go with, and you said, "Well, Pfizer. go ahead and tell us what you said." Don't Pfizer. Johnson and Johnson, they making one too. Um, I did forget about Johnson forget and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson is making one, but um, to answer your question, yeah, the Pfizer. You know, if you're going to get one, for me anyway, you know, that'd be one, the one that I want because they've been doing it since the early 1900s. They helped um, fight the um, um, the Spanish flu, you know, way, way uh-huh. back in the um, mid-1900s or whatever. That Moderna, that company just started in 2016. They're out of Boston. And like, they've, like when they got started, um, they had a lot of uh, turnover and real ambitious thoughts and things they wanted to do. And the CEO was in a battle with the scientists and all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So they're relatively new to all this stuff. So, you know, for me, I want to go with something that's the standard. Right. Somebody just get, got some I mean, time I'm, doing it. Right. And not saying that Moderna or... Uh, Johnson and Johnson don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, if you, you get in the house built, <laughs> you want you want some builder that's been building houses for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, not that you can't trust the others, but, you know, you want to go with the standard. Right. So, 
what we were going with. So first responders, grocery store workers, teachers, those are the people we think should be first in line. And then, like I said, Pfizer, they coming out with one, the Moderma, they have one. And I did forget about Johnson & Johnson because I, they haven't been as big in the news as the other two have right. been. Nursing home, nursing home patients, too. Don't forget about that. Yeah, nursing home patients, too, because, right, people come to visit, spread, everything people else. People are 75 years old, just, not, you know, mm-hmm. older people. Older people. Somebody just sent me an article talking about how um, people in different states are trying to pay extra money to jump ahead in line. Have you heard anything like that? No, nah, that's news to me, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's expected. <laughs> that's the surprise. right. You know, that's the way of the country. Exactly. That's, that's, that's America, man. <laughs> I have to send you that. So after that, like I was asking you before, what do you expect? Do you expect anything? Well, I'm sure we do. Different with this Biden presidency than we had before, because even the presidency before that, we had a pandemic response team. And I think a lot of this could have been avoided if that team would have stayed intact. So now we have a vice president. Well, we have a president that was vice president during the time that that team was initiated. Do you see any changes? Or what do you anticipate happening with this new leadership we have in the United States? You know, you you, you try not to expect the worst of people and, and things. But um, all of this stuff, for me, anyway, was predicted. Maybe not this, but I knew something would come, because it always does. You know what I'm saying? Something would come along that Trump would really have to deal with. I mean, in his administration, they would really, really, really have to deal with or we could be doing. And if you just go back on the guy's track record, he's never handled adversity well. He would either try to lie his way out of it, spend his way out of it, or just let it, you know, be what it be. That's like that's why he's had all them bankruptcies. And how do you lose a casino? How do you bankrupt a casino? You know, what I'm saying? when people coming to you to give you your money, give them your give money, them, <laughs> you know, give you their money. And, and the house, the house never loses, <laughs> except for in those situations. Find a way to um, to lose that. So you know what I'm saying? It was all for me. It, it was it was predicted that he was you know mess messed up big time. But as far as Biden goes, you know Biden, like one of the things they tried to say about him was, well, he's been in politics too long. He's been he's been in Washington 37 years, and what has he done? Again, you know, experience is always something that you want and people that are going to lead the country. You don't want people that come in there where their experience is to mess everything up. And that's what Trump had done his his whole life. He squandered all that money his dad gave him, blah, blah, blah. We know the story. But it's good, you know, because under, under Obama, and Biden has brought in a lot of Obama people, and like you said, they had that pandemic response team, and they had scientists and all over the all over the globe, in China and Africa, and you know, back during the Ebola scare, the way that we got on top of that and didn't let it really uh, mess up our country that bad was we we sent uh, scientists over to Africa. You know what I'm saying? To study the, to, to learn. study the virus, to 
find out what yeah. you got to do to get it under control, to find out how to wrap your arms around it, to find out how to not let it destroy. And it, it wreaked havoc in Africa, but it never, you know, really came here. I think it was like maybe two or three cases or something like that, and a few people died. I might be wrong on that, but mm-hmm. it's something like that. Then, you know, we had the um, the swine flu, which originated here. And we was able to get our arms around that. You know what I'm saying? That was just a flu strain. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a coronavirus. So with Biden having that kind of experience, because he was a part of that, that um, administration, of course he's going to know what he's doing, because he already did it. You know, he's not going to take that one. This is American. We just handle everything on our own. He's not going to pull scientists from around the globe. You don't do that. You know, if you can't, if you do that, you can't see what's going on. And it's, right. it's, it you know, it, it, it was, when I found out, and this was before um, the uh, COVID came here, when I found out that out of spite, that's all it was, it, it was out of spite. Uh, a lot of it was out of spite. That, that right. Trump pulled the the, the um, science program that Obama started out of all of these countries. I said, "Oh my god!" And even back then, even back then when that happened, it was a guy I can't think of his name and I can't remember his his position. And he said, "This is the worst thing that has happened to America, and we're not going to be ready if something pop up because of what Trump has done." He called it. He called it. Called it way back. Years ago, yeah. two, three years ago. He called it. And here we are. We need, once the show gets bigger, we're going to have to get a fact checker team. We're going to have a bunch of people around giving us information and feeding it to us while we're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> All that other fun right. stuff. But we're not there yet. We'll get there. We, 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 we're building slowly. Right. Slow build. Slow build. So we, we won't keep harping on. Um, just where we at with the virus and everything. Let's talk about something near and dear. Two things near and dear to our heart, good things. Well, sports is the number one thing. But let's talk about our team and our Cleveland Browns because from Cleveland, and I got to talk about the Browns when they're good because who knows how often that'll be. But let's talk about how our team is doing right now. We are facing, today is Sunday, and tonight we're going to be facing the Giants. We just lost a heartbreaker on Monday night last week to the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm expecting us to win this game. I hope that's the case, and I'm expecting us to go to the playoffs. What do you forecast for our Cleveland Browns? No, the Browns, first of all, tonight they're going to win that game. I mean, look, you got Coach McCoy starting. Uh, the Giants' top cornerback is out. Um, I I know they were talking about um, Ingram probably not playing at tight end, and that's one of the you know big targets. Better players, right? And then you got Freddie calling plays for the Giants. You know what I'm saying? This 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 gonna be a wrap. And I and I think what the Browns need to do is because if you've been watching these games today, all of the teams that either chasing them or all the teams that currently in the playoffs, if they started today, they all showed out today. You know, they, okay. they you know, they, they did their thing. So the, the, the Browns got to do the same thing. So, you know, I'm just happy to do like, I mean, when the last time we played something like this, 2000, 
It's been a it's been a while. Even though they didn't make the playoffs, they still were ten and six. Ten and six that year, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, now I don't want to bomb on Freddie Kitchens too bad because not last year, but the year before that, we was like, "Hey, man, look at them plays he calling." So we was oh, yeah. we was on it with his plays a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to go 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 saying he stinks. So he stinks. No. <laughs> you know, what I'm he, he, he messed up his he chance here. He's so. doing two years in a row, and not and, and and once he got his hands on his own playbook and developed his own playbook, it it was not the same. It it it, it, it was, was not the same. It, it regressed a lot. And had more weapons and regressed. Right, and, and like I think I think one of the things about that season, uh, Baker. I'm going back to Baker's rookie season. Even that that staff that was left over after um, Hugh Jackson uh, got fired and um, Todd Haley got fired, there still was a lot of staff left over. And I think, and, and even some of the browsers come out and said this as well, um, it was people on that staff that kept Baker in check. Even Greg Williams came oh, behind okay. to, a, to an extent. You know, he didn't put up with no shit. So... I think it was more the other people than it was Freddie. Freddie was calling the okay. plays, yeah, but he didn't have that, you know, I'm the number one guy mentality attitude back when Baker was a rookie. But once he got that yeah. head coaching job, he thought like he didn't have to listen to nobody. Because yep. combination of stuff, those egos always right. come into Ego. play. And like Jarvis Landry was talking about it, he said, man, after the uh, first First fifteen scripted plays, we we were just out there playing um, backyard football. You can't do that in the NFL. <laughs> can't do that no, in the NFL. Can't. That's why that's why it was so bad. You know, but yeah, Freddie stinks. Stink like the worst thing on earth. <laughs> well, our guy now he's doing pretty good. Stefanski, oh, I like him a lot. That's, he, that's he's a... that dude. He he's he's off. Awesome. Coach of the year candidate should be probably won't win it. He should though. I mean, look, probably won't win the, it. He gonna get the Browns in the playoffs his first year. Yeah, he should be the runaway yeah. coach of the year. But it ain't gonna happen. That's what I think it, too. It would make sense. It, it it should make sense to everybody, but you know, whatever. Um, uh, but Flores in Miami, he 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 turned like them around. Flores. They 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 look I good. Like um. And you know what? That's a Belichick guy that's actually doing well because usually they go branch off on their own and they stink. But this stink. is one of the – well, Judge, he's doing okay, but that division is so bad. That NFC East is – He's not dealing with a lot of injuries. So. But, yeah, if it, if, it, if it was me, I would put the fancy one, then I would uh, put Flores, uh, I don't know after that, but yeah, a lot of people gonna say Tomlin Pittsburgh because they did go. They ran off all them games, but they was beating teams they were supposed to beat. To me, right. but they done lost two games in a row towards the you know during crunch time. You know you can't you can't be losing two games in a row. Like if the Browns happen to lose tonight, I mean you got to drop the fans down the drop the fans and put Flores back you know on top of him because they beat the Patriots today. He beat his old ball. Yeah, yeah, but well, um, what's the 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 
Steelers, they won some games that, like the Dallas game, they were losing that game the whole time, and they came back and won that one. So uh, that's who I would put three, but yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens. I, I can see it, but I don't think it's All right, and so our last topic that I want to go over with you, again, we're in the sports realm, entertainment. Let's talk about these Cleveland Indians getting rid of their name. I know you were a guy, you like, I want the Indian. I'm keeping it around. I'm going to promote it even more, even higher. I was like, ah, it can go. If if somebody's offended, it, it, it can go. So now that they've made the decision to make the name change, what direction, what's some, what's some ideas you have for the team? I mean, it is what it is. My thing is, do they change the colors too, though? Well, that's what I'm asking you. What's your idea? Do you think they? What do you think they should do? Total from the bottom up, or what? What should they do? I think they, if they go get rid of the name and they're all that, they got to they got to do everything else because those those colors are synonymous with the Cleveland Indians. You yeah. know, so if you get, so any, any ideas? Man, I don't know, man. I ain't even, I ain't even wrapped my head around that yet. <laughs> well. I see a lot of people talking about the spiders because that you that was our old name from before, and, and even with the same colors, having that navy with the red spider. Have you seen that? I mean, yeah, but I mean, if you go be a spider, is there are there are there blue spiders? <laughs> I, I'm looking. At I, I don't know. My floor right now, it's black. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing I was thinking, I mean, the blue, thing, blue and red, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Spider-Man See, you talking yourself into it. Yeah, well, maybe they can keep the colors. But I, I would be, I like, I like the Guardians. I like the Guardians too. I like the Guardians, and I like the Sentinels. Those are um because I was thinking about the bridge and how you have them standing over the bridge, protecting the bridge. Looks like. Yeah. So I was I, that those those are my two, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at spiders. And then I was telling somebody else, why don't we just join the socks movement and be the blue socks? Because you got the white socks and the red socks, and then you have the blue socks, and then you have red, white, and blue. You like America? I mean, yeah, that that could work. What about the Cleveland? What about <laughs> the Cleveland Shoreman? I like that. Where I seen that somewhere. I haven't heard of that one. I mean, we don't use that water for anything else. Why not right. use it for a good name? Name the team after. I mean, we got all these shores yep. around here. Why the Cleveland Shoreman? I I like that. I'm always partial to names that. Um, aren't plural or can't be pluralized. Like, like I said, like the Sox, like the Heat, like the Thunder, names like that. I don't know why I like those kind of names, but right. just I something, just something that can't be, and something that can't be plural. So, well, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want to share with us until the next time we get to hang out? Uh, need people down there in Georgia to get out and vote, 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 okay. vote. Like I've been, picking. we got some friends. Right. In Georgia, a lot of friends down there. Um, but I had um, seen this article. It was talking about more people have requested uh, mail-in ballots, uh, first-time mail-in ballots down there in history. You know, for the first time in history, um, and it, it, it said that more people have requested them that uh, didn't request them that didn't vote in the presidential election. And they're requesting them, okay. and they have a lot of first-time 
registered voters that have signed up uh, since the election. And those type of stats and figures always uh, play good for Democrats. But I don't know why, but it just does, I guess, you know, since the Republican Party is typically an older party, a lot of their voters are typically older, they're already registered to vote. So, okay, that makes so sense. So as, you know, as those numbers keep, and they're like in the hundreds of thousands. So as those numbers keep climbing, that's, that's good for, um, that's good for the Democratic Party because, you know, Biden won't be able to get nothing done if the Republicans still hold the Senate. They're going to try to block him at every turn. So, yeah, everybody down there in Atlanta, Georgia, everybody down there in Stone Mountain, everybody down there in Savannah, anywhere down there, you need to get out and vote, 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 vote. And vote for the Democrats. Don't vote for them other two clowns. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I'm that. We want them to vote. <laughs> you, you can. I'm you have every right it. to. Hey, that's that's why we have you on here. <laughs> I'm gonna say. It. Look at. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna say this. What, I'm done. The, the okay. two Republican um, people that are running, they use the pandemic to enrich themselves, but spoke out about people getting stimulus money that didn't have jobs. They sold stocks that that were losing, both of them, not one, both of them sold stocks that would lose their money because they have first-hand information. They sold stocks that would lose their money and bought stocks that would make them rich. While at the same time telling the people that's just out here trying to get by, you don't need money. You can't have somebody like that in leadership, in my opinion. I I understand and agree, but I'm not going to tell people which way to vote. That's right. just me. So, <laughs> okay. Well, like I said, again, thanks for joining us, and I will talk to you again later on down the line. And appreciate you coming on. Be good, sir. Yes, sir. Until next time. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the show. Department 3C presents a podcast. Um, Today we had two good conversations with different people. And at the end, I just wanted to do a little small segment called Connected to Fire. I just want to talk about how these conversations are connected to fire. So my one conversation with the first person we had, Antoine Cruz, we were a fireman together. We were first responders together. That's how it's connected to fire. Got to learn a little bit about our past from where we worked and where we're currently working now. And then the second part, when I speak to my buddy, Troy, he's known me for forever and he knows about my life. He kind of knows how I got to the point where I wanted to be a firefighter. And he kind of pushed me even at one point he was like why didn't you tell me it was this this good being a firefighter so he always is there to promote me and push me and that's how it's connected to fire for me through him so just wanted to let that be known if you get a chance please like share comment check out the content that we have at department 3c that's the www.department3c.com or you can go to www D-E-P-T-3C.com. So I have the short version, the long version. But please check out the show, check out the content, and let me know what you would like to hear, what I can do better. Because at the end of the day, I'm just here to serve, and I want 
to get all the best content I can put out there for people to listen to. Again, thank you for listening to the show, especially if you listen this far, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs>